It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study we welcome you to the virtual bible study for thursday april 7th 2016 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you on the virtual bible good study to be with you. kyle is behind the controls tonight kyle thank you for being here always good to be And uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you on the other end of the line. Thank you for listening, whether you're listening to us live or in the podcast. We're glad that you're here. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address you use at any time. 877-381-4567 is the telephone number. And if you're listening to us live, sign in the chat window tonight as we uh, begin an important discussion of God's Word. Before we get started, you still got some bumper stickers. We got bumper stickers. We'll be glad to send you one. Send us your snail mail address to questions at collegeview.com. We'll get you some, get you a bumper sticker or Free one or more charge. if you can use them. Free of charge. And, and we should be announcing that we have a special event coming up here at the College View Church of Christ in, in just about two weeks. Two weeks from tomorrow night, mm-hmm. we're going to have a weekend special Bible study series. Uh, L.A. Stouffer from St. Louis, Missouri will be here to teach us on the theme of the family, uh, all aspects of family relationships and our and, and our duties and and the teaching of God in regards to how our families ought to function efficiently. Uh, that's Friday, uh, April 22nd, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll have 7, seven o'clock Friday night, 7 o'clock Saturday night. Then our regular time Sunday morning at 9.30 and 10.30 and at 2.30 on Sunday afternoon and and L.A. Stover will be bringing us lessons on the family. We think it will be really good, and if you're anywhere close, if you're within a driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, we hope that you'll uh, make special effort to be here. We'll try to get those lessons up on our on our website ultimately, but it's not near as good as in person. No, it'll be good. It'll be better if you're here, so uh, check that out um, and uh, think about coming two weeks from tomorrow, tomorrow which would make it the 22nd, 22nd yep. of April 2016. Yep. All right. Good. I think we've got all the business out of the way, so now it's on to the main business tonight. Okay. Uh, you found a, a news article and forwarded it to me, and we decided we'd follow up on it to sort of use it as to introduce uh, a notion. And the notion basically is that people need something. They, they, they're looking for something in their life to provide them a sense of belonging, uh, sort of a sense of community, uh, a purpose, a, a, a sort of a collect, um, a, a, collecti- yeah. a, a collectivity of some kind right. to be a part of. Right. Uh, this article was about people who are using their workout gym as that sort of thing. Yeah, CrossFit. This was in the New York Times, and it talks about a girl named Allie Huberly, 27, an education consultant in Boston, awakens at 4.45 every morning to go to her CrossFit box or gym. I didn't know they called the gym a box. I think that's the hip term for it. I wouldn't know. Yeah. And she spends two hours there every morning. Uh, The Harvard Divinity School researches are studying such as that, places that, that function as churches See, Harvard Divinity School researchers studying spaces other than churches that function as spiritual communities, and and as such, they interviewed this young lady. Uh, the lung, this this lady said, CrossFit is family, laughter, love, and community. That's what she told the researchers. So CrossFit, or working out at the gym, basically has become the focus of the study by, of researchers trying to pinpoint what constitutes religiosity. In America. So because she's so devoted mm-hmm. to going to the workout gym, this CrossFit training. She's getting something other than just a workout out of it. Yeah, and, and they say that, that constitutes religion. Yeah. You know, 
I, I've said that before in the past, almost jokingly, but now these people apparently taking it seriously. You know, I've talked about people who get so involved in youth baseball, for instance, and and coaches and parents who just spend you know their whole life uh, devoted to traveling around, taking kids to baseball games, and coaching and managing. And and I have said somewhat jokingly that's their religion. These people are saying, yeah, Maybe it, it is. is. Maybe yeah. it is their mm-hmm. religion. Uh, he it goes on and says, it's surprisingly hard to say what makes a religion. This girl, Allie Huberly, I think was her name, speaks about her box or her gym as others might speak about a church or a synagogue community. In an increasingly secular America, all sorts of activities and subcultures provide the meaning that, in the past at least, as we imagine, religious communities did. Mm-hmm. So they're getting from a gym or another activity what people used to always look to religion to get. Mm-hmm. Another uh, possibility is football. Consider football. Religion scholars have noted that it brings people together in large crowds to, quote, worship. It has a weekly holy day and even annual holidays like the NFL Draft Day and, of course, the Super Bowl. Ah. Get that. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess those all those people who've been skipping church to go to their football games but on they Sunday. But they still want something. You know, they, yeah. they want to belong. You know, and so if they get a bunch of guys together and they all do this football thing every Sunday, watch yeah. football, uh, or maybe on Saturday go to the football games at the college, uh, in a 2000 essay, Religion and Popular Culture in America, scholars argued that activities as diverse as Star Trek fandom, <laughs> dieting fads, and football could all constitute religion. Anything that creates a community and engenders passionate devotion can constitute religion. Okay. So that's what they're saying. All right. So, so you they're got, say- if you're excited about it, there's other people doing it with you, and you feel like you're part of a group. If if you if there if you feel like you're in a community of people if you feel like you belong, and you have passionate devotion to it, it is your religion. Wow. What about that? Yeah. What do you think, Kyle? That's painting a broad brush on a lot of things. They could they make it put a positive spin on, it, but there's a lot of uh, negative connotations that could come with that too. So it's yeah. yeah yeah. You think about some of those Star Trek fanatics. You know, you think, oh boy, that's your religion, huh? Okay. Uh, anyway. I think I think what's driving this is that some people imagine that traditional religion, the kind of thing that is centered on the Bible, just doesn't provide what they're looking for. You know, they're looking for something else other than that. And and sometimes you even get the question, what's in it for me? When we when we talk to people about serving the Lord, about being a a, a member of the body of Christ, His church, about serving, about spiritual. Uh, values and so forth. Very often we get the question, "Well, what's in it for me?" You know, you're yeah. asking me to do all this stuff, but what's in it for me? Yeah. Well, we want to investigate that question. What's in it? these people that are doing CrossFit and football and Star Trek fandom and all of that? They're obviously looking for something, and they must be getting something out of it, or they wouldn't continue. But what's in what in regards to real traditional religion? In fact, the true religion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is taught in the pages of the New Testament. What's in that? What what, what advantage is that? What's in it for me? And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the atheists have started gathering on yeah. Sundays. And yeah. They call it the assembly. Yeah. Uh, and so atheists are getting together because they feel like they need this community and and this camaraderie that goes along with uh, their atheism. So certainly it is something that is common uh, among humanity. So... The question is, I guess, what are we in it for? What are we getting out of this? And so we'll talk about that on the program tonight. Yeah, earlier today to our update list, let me see. I, I didn't even print off my questions. I can't believe that. I didn't print off my questions to the update list. But we asked the questions uh, a little late today getting the email out. Uh, but we got an email out shortly afternoon to our update list. If you're not on the list, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. And you'll know what we're going to talk about on Thursday night. And here's the questions we ask. What do you think is gained by, one, the standard of morality taught in the Bible, two, the sense of purpose and meaning offered by the Christian life, what's gained by, three, a knowledge of the Creator, what's gained by an association with godly people, 
What's gained by the stability that comes to our home and family? And what's gained by the hope of eternal salvation? Six things there. And all those are sort of the, are sort of, in a nutshell, I think the answer that I would give to someone who asks, what's in it for me when it comes to religion? You know, here you are, you're a religious person. You spend a lot of time doing your religious deeds. What's, what do you get out of that? I think that's an answerable question. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, in the chat room if you're listening to us live. Now, there clearly is a need on a social level for people to be together. We see it in, with the CrossFit. We see it with the football fanatics. We see it with the Star Trek fanatics. We're seeing it with the atheist and their assembly. There's, there's this sort of this human need to feel as a part of a group. And, but we believe it's much deeper well, than that. Yeah, does, well, but they're giving you the con, the idea that any group will do. Right. You know, uh, anything that in, in which people share a common interest, uh, have a devotion to something. Well, you know, people are devoted to all sorts of different things. And as Kyle was saying, you could open up a, a real Pandora's box there. It could be people devoted to all kind of perverted things, you know. Right. And so that's a, that's a church that pursues this particular perversion of some sort or another. But we really think that what the Lord teaches and what he asks us to do and the blessings that we get by doing those things is far more than what you'd get by going to a workout gym or to a football game. But the sad part of it is I think a lot of people are boiling their religion down to just that one thing as being a part of a group, part of a community. Maybe even a lot of Christians are. It's Well, people are definitely they're going to church. You watch... You watch, uh, you look on the internet and look at some of these community churches and look what their worship looks like, and it's, yeah. it's all it is is just a party for them. And entertainment. And entertainment. Of, yeah. So it's it's all about the, about the group and what it does for me. We believe that true religion has to be much more noble than that. Has to yeah. be more deeper than that. Yeah. But as you said, even folks who claim to be true Christians, I'm afraid if we're not careful, we start to look at religion as just that, as it's just a social gathering. Yeah. yeah. And, and so. All of us as Christians need to be prepared to answer that question. What do you? Why? Why are you a Christian? What, what's in it for you? What are you getting out of? What do you? What's the advantage of living like you? In other words, you would try to persuade me to be a Christian, right? What's What's in it? What's right. the advantage of it? That's right. That's important because I need to know what's in it. So for me, for so I remain devoted to my convictions, but I also need to know what's in it for me so I can help convince other people that they need that as well and i can encourage my brother or my sister who may be struggling in something much more deeper than hey let's just go have a hot dog together yeah there's a there's something more important here okay let's go let's start down this list and uh hopefully we'll get some comments from our listeners maybe we'll take a break here before we dive nick in the chat room is uh, commenting about that crossfit thing he says well it's it's good for a little but obviously not the purpose of life and he references first timothy 4 verse 8 body discipline his own bodily discipline is not only of is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Yeah, that's that's a good verse, Nick, and that's the verse that we would use First Timothy four verse eight to tell those people who are making the CrossFit gym their religion that they're not getting they're not getting everything out of that they need. It'll profit them a little. But not ultimately, and that's and that's really the point we want to stress in our study tonight. And now you also, I think, want to stress that there's profit in this life, not just eternal. It's yeah, not just that I just you know it's not sort of like you know you just sort of have to bang your head against the wall till you die, and then after that it'll feel better. Yeah. No, it's good. Oh, I think that's right. right. And and in this list of things that we want to discuss tonight, the six things that we want to discuss. All but the last one have to do with advantages we gain here and now to being a Christian, not just things that are off high in the sky in the great by and by, as they say. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just don't have to you know, be miserable now because it'll be better in the end. No, uh, we believe there's certainly benefits here and now. You mentioned in your update list about how you convince young people of this because it seems like that demographic is the one that's leaving the reservation yeah on the yeah, yeah yeah you know they they say I, I, I might come around to thinking about church when i'm old and about to die like you are but right now i mean it doesn't offer anything to me right you know so yeah that's what they that's that i think that would be their ecclesiastes chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 solomon 
took this approach, sort of what's in it for me, and he took it from a physical here and now kind of perspective, and he concluded uh, toward the end of his, uh, the book there in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near, when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Solomon says, don't wait to the end, not because of, you know, you just want to be miserable, but do it now because there's benefit for you. Yeah. And, and do it early while you can enjoy those benefits. Right. Because well, when it makes your life better uh, now, don't wait to the end when... The days are difficult. Exactly right. All right. Let's, look, we're going we're gonna to develop that theme. Let's grab a break here. And when we come back, let's start talking about some of the things we gain by serving the Lord. Nick says it would seem the hope of life, which continues beyond this life, is the number one motivator. I think that's the, that's the ultimate. It is a num- the number yeah. one motivator, but it is not the sole motivator. Yeah, I've got that on my list, but I got it last because I think that's the last thing to really stress. I mean, I, I'm not saying that's the last thing we should last in importance, but I, I think... We can we can build up to that, showing that there's all kinds of advantages to living the Christian life. It is a very important motivator, and perhaps the number one motivator. But yeah, I, I other, agree with Nick that if I had to put them in rank of order, I would put that one first. But the others are not insignificant right. in any way, and so we'll talk about them when we get back. What do you think? Chime in the chat room with just some thoughts. Make those uh, comments brief if you want tonight. What are some motivators and some Things that are benefits to us. When we get back from the break, we're going to talk about the the value of having a standard of morality. And it seems like a lot of people think that just gets in their way. Just sort of makes things a little bit uh, a little bit tricky if you got morals you got to live by. We'll talk about that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. I'm Michael, now four years old, and, and this is the virtual Bible study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Your character is largely revealed by three behaviors. Telling the truth, keeping your promises, and taking responsibility for your actions. Total moral failure begins with one small sin. Man, wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about what's in it for me. And there's an acronym for that, I guess, on the Internet these days? Yeah, there's actually an acronym. What's in it for me? W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're making an acronym out of everything these days. Right. But, but that's if you see that, W-I-I-F-M, I guess they're using that as an abbreviation for this question. What's in it for me? Yeah. All right. But anyway, one of the things that we think is, is a value uh, to us uh, who try to pursue a life after the Bible and for God is that there's a, 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 an absolute standard of morality. Uh, you know, if we didn't have that, the, the world benefits. The world still, even people who don't believe in God, benefit from the morality taught in the Bible. If, if we had no code of morality whatsoever... Be, civilization would be impossible, but but the, the world itself has been influenced by the teachings of God through the centuries, and and we need to we need to hold to that absolute standard of morality, because if we don't, we're going to make all kinds of bad decisions that are going to bring all kinds of trouble and grief into our lives. <clears throat> For instance, uh, Jesus used this example in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew five twenty one. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Jesus taught a high. He he really set a high bar when it comes to moral thought and conduct. In other words, you everybody always said you should not kill. I'm I'm asking you to even take that higher. Don't be angry without a cause. Uh, in the uh, same context, a little later, he said, verse 27, Ye have heard that it said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoso looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Jesus is saying, here's, here's this high level that I'm asking you to live. What do I get from that? Well, in regards to committing adultery, for instance, or even thinking adulterous thoughts, mm-hmm. I'm way better off if I avoid those things. Right. You know, well, my life is made better by knowing that there's this absolute level of morality that God wants me to live up to. And when I do that, then I'm able to enjoy a long, happy, peaceful, rewarding life with the wife of my youth. And I don't have to 
I don't, I don't have to go through the heartache and trouble that would be caused if, if I just said, well, I'm tired of this wife, I'll go get me another wife. I'm tired of this wife, I'll go live with that woman. Maybe I'll try a man, you know, next, you know. Right. People who, and there are plenty of people who live that way, but they're not getting any happiness out of it. Their life is not better because they live that way. Their life is worse. Right, right. Certainly our society is suffering because of the lack of morals, but we see the individual's that are suffering as well because they're they're living as they please, without a, a, a respect for a higher authority, and we see that while they're searching after happiness, the end result is exactly the opposite of what they're searching for. They're making their life miserable. Yeah, exactly right. All right. I remember back in the early '90s, or all through the '90s, really, another uh, some other preachers and I made a number of preaching trips to Russia, and, uh, and I remember one of the preachers, uh, my good friend Phil Morgan was teaching lessons from the Sermon on the Mount to a group of Russian college students primarily. And as they went through the principles that Jesus set forth in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the question was simply asked, what if men really lived that way? What if all men everywhere lived that way? And even these uh, young college students who had been brought up as atheists, that had been their official training as atheists, mm-hmm. they said it would be a wonderful place to live if everybody lived by those rules. Right. So our lives are enriched. Uh, we're made better. Things go much more smoothly for us when we live by that absolute standard of morality that's taught in the Word of God. And, and uh, you know, it, it's it's not that God gave us those rules just to be mean, to see to see if he could, you know, put us in, in a miserable state and see if we could endure it. He gave us those rules because he knew what was best for us and that we, we yeah. would be benefited a verse that we've often referenced on the virtual Bible study is from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 24. This is not talking about the law we live under today, but it was talking about the law that God gave to the Israelites through Moses at Mount Sinai. Deuteronomy six twenty-four: The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Back then, in the law that God gave to the Israelites of old, as well as the law that he gives for us today, it's for our good. Right. It's not because God wants to just see how mean he could be or see how harsh he could make our lives. No, he wanted our lives to be better. And that's why he gave us these standards of morality to live by. Hey, yeah, God loved us so much he gave us his son. So for our best interest, doesn't it make sense then that he would give us instructions that would be for our good always, as he says he has? Which then, if we understand that, it's a little ironic that people have such bad feelings about the Bible, and even those who profess to be Christians often sort of read it with one eye, sort of squinting, hoping they don't find anything. Or, or looking for a loophole. Looking you know. for a loophole, or, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to look too hard because I might find something else i got to do. If uh, we understood that the, uh, the instructions that God has given us, the moral code that he's given us, are for our good always, we ought to be pouring through this and studying it fervently, to find out something else that God has told us to do, because we realize if we'll do it, we'll be better for it. Yeah, exactly right. In the chat room, guest 2702 says, it is a life of service, less of self, more of thee. And certainly that's an important principle, I agree. Nick in the chat room says again, even from a worldly perspective, morals are important. The concept of rule of law, which our country is supposed to be guided by, is proof of this. Can we even begin if there's no rule of law governing the morality of men? Uh, I think that's right. Er, er, in an earlier uh, comment, Nick had quoted from Ephesians two twelve and 13, when Paul gives a, a description of those who have no hope. And I want to go to that uh, here in, in just a minute. Uh, hang, hang on to that comment in the chat room, because we conclude this first point. What's in it for me? Well, I have a system of morality, a standard to live by. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a really, really very good thing. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you for those comments in the chat room. Uh, keep them coming and give us a call at 877-381-4567. So what's in it for you? Well, you get uh, these moral standards, which are not, as people in the world think, uh, just some type of drag and some kind of uh, hassle and chain that you have to drag around your neck. You know, there there are benefits to this. We certainly believe it is a blessing to have God's instruction and guidance in our life. Secondly, to our update list, we asked the question, what do you think is gained by the sense of purpose and meaning offered by the Christian life? Uh, And here's where Nick's comment, I think, from Ephesians 2, 12 and 13 fits real well. 
Paul gives a description of those who have no hope. It's very depressing, Nick says. It reads this way, 2 Corinthians 2, beginning verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought nigh by the blood of Christ. And so I I really especially uh, think we should emphasize that phrase, without hope, having no hope, without God in the world. You know, Jacob, I think if you could picture the funeral of an atheist. So here's here's this fellow who's never believed in God at all. Yeah. He believes that this life is all there is. And he lives his life that way with all the attendant pursuits of fleshly gratification. Uh, no, hint, no hindrance or no hold back uh, to committing any deed that he sees fit because he doesn't have that moral standard we were just talking about at, at, at the death of such a person I think the question would be asked what's it been for what, what's it all about right. because that atheist of course it's true of us too that atheist and us we're soon going to be forgotten by the world sure. you know, right. it, it just in relatively short order everybody will forget that we ever lived or did anything here and so if if there's not if there's not something more than that, you know, so those friends at the CrossFit gym, you know, I die today. I've been going to the CrossFit gym every day, working out for two hours. That girl we read about gets up at 445 in the morning so she can go to the gym and work out for two hours. Two weeks after she's dead, the people will still be there at the CrossFit gym, riding the stationary bikes and running on the treadmill and nobody will remember that she was ever there and they won't even miss her now. I mean, they might miss her for a day or two, but life goes on. So and, what's it been about? Yeah. What's it for? And she can continue getting up and exercising as we reference. There's some benefit in that, but the fact of the matter is she and everybody else at the CrossFit gym will die uh, if the Lord doesn't return soon. Uh, and, uh, you know, that what's, what is the real purpose and meaning of life? Yeah. Job dwelt, dealt with this uh, big question. Job chapter 14, verse 1, beginning. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. You know, <clears throat> that's a true observation if we're just viewing life from this earthly perspective. If there is nothing beyond the grave, if there is no hope of anything after this life is over, then that description Job gives fits us all. Well, it helps us to frame up how people in our society today are looking at life. This is this is it. They wouldn't they wouldn't quote Job, but uh, they would uh, certainly feel this way that they've got few days and they're troublesome days, and they're gonna go just like a flower comes and goes. Yeah, and maybe this helps us to understand why so many in our society today are infatuated with youth and trying to maintain their youth uh, because it's really the only thing they have to hold on to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You mentioned Solomon earlier. Uh, Solomon, of course, was probably the richest man who ever lived in the history of the world. My guess is if you compare his wealth with Bill Gates and and Warren Buffett, he'd make them look like they were pretty poor. I Uh mean, he was incredibly wealthy. He used his wealth to pursue every form of satisfaction that he could come up with. And he was, but he didn't get there. He 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 couldn't find it. Uh, Ecclesiastes is really the story of his pursuit, trying to find meaning and satisfaction in life. Uh, and he said in Ecclesiastes one verse two, beginning, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all the labors which he doeth under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. In other words, I'm going to die. I'm going to be forgotten. Time is going to roll on. And what's it for? What's the advantage of it? And he was very troubled by those thoughts. Uh, and ultimately, you know, when he got to the end of that, in chapter 12, verse 13, he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. He had been through the process. What's the meaning of life? How can I get any satisfaction from what I'm doing here? And his conclusion at the end of his long search was, Fear God, keep his commandments. There has to be something more than the here and now. There has to be something that gives us meaning and purpose. Otherwise, it is a very hollow existence. 
Yeah. All right. So two things. We're, we're trying to answer this question. And, we're, and, we, and by the way, we have not forgotten. We think the ultimate will be, and we're going to talk about it last, but the ultimately most important thing of all is eternal salvation. But we're trying to stress the fact that there's more to it than that. There, there's there's great advantage, more so than just waiting to die so I go to heaven. Yeah. There's great advantage in living the Christian life now, and that's what we're talking about. What's in it for me? And we need to focus on that, and that's what we're doing on uh, the program tonight. Nick says, Thomas Paine, who lived his life in opposition to the Bible, after living a life associated with and taking part in the greatest events of this nation's beginning, he died without only a handful, 12 or 13 people, who remembered him enough to attend his funeral. That's something. Yeah. So he devoted himself to something it didn't pay off. I mean, we, uh, you know, as Nick says, you know, he was involved in some port- important development, historic developments in the, the in the infancy of our country. But as a person, he wasn't even well remembered in his day. Yeah. All right. We'll get a break and uh, we'll get your thoughts on the other side as we talk about what's in it for me. What are the benefits of living the life that God has prescribed for us in the Bible? We get a bullet point and uh, get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues. Right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Wynn with this week's Bullet Point. Every year, hundreds of new businesses are started here in our community. The Chamber of Commerce gladly reports on these new ventures in an effort to demonstrate that our local economy is healthy and growing. What they don't report quite so openly is that nearly an equal number of businesses close their doors each year. Why do these businesses fail? It's really very simple. They just do not offer services or sell products that appeal to a sufficient number of customers. In short, they go out of business because the buying public is generally apathetic about their continued existence. Whether we realize it or not, we're giving our vote as to whether these businesses succeed or fail. We do it when we make the choice to patronize a particular business or to trade elsewhere. We wonder if certain church members realize that a similar situation exists in local congregations. Some folks show an apparent apathy toward the continued existence of the church. They may attend occasionally, perhaps even most Sunday mornings. However, it's just too hard for them to make the Bible study hour, and they never return on Sunday evening. Wednesday night assemblies are absolutely out of the question. They're already too busy, too tired, and so forth. What these folks are doing, whether they know it or not, is giving their vote to close the doors. If it was left up to them, no one would assemble and no work would be done. Are you one of these people who are trying to put the church out of business? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight, and we appreciate you listening. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And uh, check out the uh, upcoming uh, special services there, April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, 2016. Check it out at our website, and uh, we hope to see you there. Talking about what's in it for me tonight, and uh, it's important for us to remind ourselves of this, because I think it's easy for us to lose sight of these principles. They're basic and fundamental. You haven't, we haven't really... Any earth-shattering revelations no, we're not tonight. plowing new ground here, but we are reminding ourselves of some things that are very important. Very important. And I think I think people don't even stop to consider some of these things, especially young people, I think. Yeah, and as we were saying, even some Christians, I think, don't really dwell on or appreciate <clears throat> that what we're getting out of this all. Yeah. If you were to take a group of young people, I could almost guarantee you, if you... Ask them, what are the benefits of being a Christian? They say, you get to go to heaven when you die. That'd be the first answer. And that's and okay. That, and that's fine. But that would probably be about as far as you could get it with them. Yeah. I've done it before. Yeah. And that's about as far as you can get with them. Yeah. Because they just fail to understand the, the many benefits, the vast and varied benefits of being a Christian. Yeah, exactly. They just don't understand it. And perhaps some of us as adults don't either. Yeah. So we talked about a standard of morality, a way and a way of life that brings meaning and fulfillment, two things. The third thing that we had on our list that we asked uh, our listeners to comment about is what what is gained by a knowledge of the creator? You know, if you look around, despite the the unbelievers arguments to the contrary, 
you look around, there's just abundant evidence of design and creation, especially this time of year uh, here at our part of the world when, where uh, everything is blooming out in the springtime. You know, it's just amazing. You and I, Jacob, have gotten a little bit, uh, uh, well, may, I hope it's not becoming another religion for us, but we've got involved in, in pursuing fruit trees mm-hmm. in, in a way. Right. And, you know, as, as you've investigated, you know, all that's involved in raising uh, fruit on fruit trees, you realize there's a very intricate process there that takes place as, as the yeah. trees grow and develop and they put on their fruit and so forth and so on. That There's clear evidence that someone designed that whole process, that yeah. uh, that whole ecosystem uh, of fruit trees is, is a, an intricately designed thing. It's evidence of a creator. Yeah. There's mechanisms in place that people don't even understand with just the most everyday of things yeah. that the, the, these plants know what to do. Yeah. We, I, planted, we planted some trees recently, and they, were, they looked dead. Right. They looked dead. But when they made contact with that soil and some moisture, suddenly they got a message that they should start sending out leaves. Right. How did they know that? Right. How, how did that take place? How did right. that happen? Yeah. You know, just all things like that suggest, and that's just a simple example. There's there's much more complex yeah. examples. The, the design demands a designer. That's the argument. And I, I think that's a, such a powerful argument for the existence of God. Design demands a designer. We all know that. And who designed all things? Who designed this world and, and this universe? I we're, we, Many of us are thinking about planting our gardens this time of year. You're going to take a seed. I've got seeds that are several years old and i could take that seed go out and put it in the in the soil and that seed wakes up has has life in it that life has been on pause there for years and it knows everything it needs to do to grow and repeat the process all over again yeah and and the atheist tells us that just happens by chance who did that and you know you talk about these systems that are in place we don't and this isn't a program about evolution versus creation but here's another one that came to I, i was thinking about the other day You've got in your yard, I'm sure, as I do in mine, things that are germinating that were, they didn't get there just by chance. Something, something put them there. Squirrels and other animals Bury that are grabbing, grabbing seeds and nuts and burying them for later, and they don't ever come back and get them. They forget about them, and that allows that thing to grow. There are plants that depend on that process occurring. Yeah. Now, how did that happen? By chance, because you also have a squirrel that depends on that plant making the the nut. He eats so it a high eat. percentage of them, but he some he buries a lot and he digs most of them back up, but he doesn't dig them all back up. Now, so that squirrel has to have the tree to survive. That tree has to have the squirrel to survive. How could they both evolve in parallel at just the right time so they both can survive? I mean, that's just one example of these. Yeah. symbiotic relationships that occur yeah. all throughout nature that could not have occurred simply by chance. Who did that? Yeah. Who did that? Now, the point in relationship to our lesson tonight, as you said, this is not a lesson on evolution or creation. But when you see all that amazing design, you have to know there is a creator. Okay, so who did that? What? And it, there must surely be this superior being. Who is he? Right. And... What does he want from me? Right. You know, I think it would be a terrifying thought to come into the realization that there's a there's a power out there that has the power to create what we see. But I don't know anything about him. I, right. uh, you know, here I am trying to uh, I mean, he could come and just smack me down because I don't know what he wants. He, we're not. Thankfully, we're not in that situation because God has revealed himself to us. Uh, we can know him. We can know what he wants us to do. First Corinthians 2, beginning verse 11. What things knoweth of, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual what a wonderful thing it is that God has revealed himself to us through his spirit. He has made himself known to us and told us what he wants, told us what he hopes and, and, and wills for us. And it, it's a great thing to have this knowledge of the creator.
Uh, absolutely. Nick says, for the believer, it is very comforting to know that if the whole world abandoned me, I'm never alone, and God will never abandon me. There's comfort in that belief. And so knowing your Creator involves also knowing that He will provide for you and care for you. He references Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Uh, uh, Certainly, by understanding this, the Creator, not only does it give us an understanding of how we got here, but also gives us some assurances of the things that he's promised us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guest 2702 says, consider the bee. How does it know what to do to pollinate the tree to cause it to produce fruit? Exactly. Again, uh, you use the term symbiotic relationships. There's a lot of them in nature. All of those point to the creator. But uh, and, 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 you know, we could we could go on and on about the evidences of God's design in, in creation, which are just amazing. And the bee is the, the honeybee is just incredibly amazing. But but the point of it is. What if we saw all that, but didn't know the one who made it, and we're just left to wonder what such a powerful being as that wants from us? And again, my point is, we don't—we're not left in that shape. We know him. We know what he wants. Right. Uh, he's revealed himself to us, and we get that advantage. The unbeliever, uh, the person whose religion is football or Star Trek. <laughs> he doesn't get that. It's a very interesting. The Star Trek fanatics who make that their religion—they're out there searching for intelligent life <laughs> in, in, in space. Uh, I think what, what a futile search. But we've got the information about the Almighty Creator, and and we can live our lives in harmony with His will. All right, it's so we've things. got such a, a deeper uh, benefit here than those in that sh- those shallow so-called religions. Yeah. Let us remind ourselves as we're talking here that we don't, that it's not our uh, religion is not just limited to the social. We've got so much more, and we need to take comfort in that and focus on all the blessings God has given us. All right, let, well, let's go quickly to, to catch another point that we said. What's, what's to be gained? We asked the question, what is gained by an association with godly people? Uh, you know, I think this is a great thing. Now, when we when we introduced our study tonight, we talked about these people who go to the CrossFit gym, who go to the football games, who do these other things because they're they're looking for a sense of community. We understand that they're going there to do that, but we understand that is a need and it is fulfilled as we pursue the religion of our Lord Jesus Christ because it puts us in community. And and what's extra good about that is it puts us in community with the best people in the world. Certainly. Uh, and we do need that kind of community um, that uh, we would be put in, in position of those folks who do understand their creator, do understand their purpose in life. Who live by a standard of morality. What other people would you want to be associated yeah. with? Yeah, exactly right. There's a lot of bad people out there. And some of those people in some of those communities that, you, you know, you know, that guy at the CrossFit gym, he might be a real pervert. Right. You know, and he might be going to the gym to satisfy his perverted desires. And here you are in community with that guy. Uh, he's not necessarily living by a, a standard of morality. But when we associate with the people in the Lord's church, we're associating with the best people in the world who who believe in the creator, who know about him, who who are who are trying to bring meaning and purpose to their own lives and the lives of others, who are living by a standard of morality that's taught in the scriptures. These are the people you want to be with. Not only do you want to be with those people, but you have a connection with them that's so much greater than these other types of community. Kyle, it's, I've got more in connection with you than just some type of superficial hobby or superficial interest. We've got a, a deeper connection with those people that we're associated with. Uh, definitely. It's one of those things. It's uh, we, we come together, which we worship the Lord, and we we feed off one another. It's, it is getting back to kind of a symbiosis. We do feed off one another. We do, we see how another lives their life and are trying to pattern ourselves after someone who is an example, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's something that's, that's the best example you could ask for. All right. Um, we ought to value that. I, I think, we, you know, in this article, um, the person said, uh, 
I don't know if I can find it. It was kind of a long article from the New York Times, but they 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 made the point. Uh, uh, what if I what if I you know what if my cars broke down and I need a ride to the gym? Somebody will give that to me. What if I'm moving and need someone helping me load the truck? Some someone from the gym with oh, big it, guns. Here, yeah, he's here, gonna, it, here it is. <laughs> I thought that's uh, who you want to help you. I'm going to take my car to the dealer tomorrow. Will someone from the gym pick me up? Of course they will. I'm going to move. Will people from the gym help me? Of course they will. So in other words, they're saying uh, they were saying here's this advantage of being in this community of people. Well, there is advantage. We agree to that, but it, it's got to run deeper than that. Right. 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 Okay. I'm afraid it may not for some Christians. We got to make sure that we. Remind ourselves of what this is all about. Let's okay. grab our last break. We've got two more points we want to make. Stable home and family life and the, 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 the big one, eternal salvation. All right. So you know where we're going. Don't leave us, though, because you know where we're going to end up. We want to continue to talk with you. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Researchers found that the percentage of Americans who claim they never pray reached an all-time high in 2014, up five-fold since the 1980s. Over the same time period, belief in God and interest in spirituality appears to have similarly declined, especially among young adults. In 2014, the number of 18 to 22-year-olds who reported no religious affiliation rose from 11% in the 1970s to 36%. The percentage who said they never pray rose from 4% to 28%. Belief in God and attendance at religious services declined by half, while self-reported spirituality declined five-fold. That information is via vocative.com. The Word of God says in Romans 1, verse 20, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3.17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. And, uh, you know, it occurs to me that perhaps we see, and you mentioned this earlier, Dad, I think during one of the breaks, we see perhaps people fleeing from religion and going to these kind of CrossFit, Star Trek, religion type things. Because there really has been no meaning in true religion for them. We've stripped out the moral yeah, code. I think that's We've a good point. We've stripped out a, an appreciation of reverence for God. We've stripped out a, a, an association with people who have a higher standard. We've, we've just brought it down to where there's really no meat to it. I, I think that's a good point because, you know, if... if we move if and religion did this to themselves. They sort of right. religion killed the mainline denominations killed themselves Sunk by the, secularizing yeah. their message. Right. You know. And so if if the church is nothing more than a, a social club, it's really not a very good social no. club. I can find a better one. And if it's just about a rock concert, there's better rock concerts than yeah. what they're giving me on Sunday morning. And, and and if this youth group, if if that's all it is, is entertaining the young people. There are better ways to get entertainment for the young people don't than the church that. For that. I don't need the church. Right. And so I think a lot of these denominations have really shot themselves in the foot right. because they tried to make their message secular rather than spiritual. People need spirituality, and that's what we're trying to stress in our discussion. I think you make a good observation there. All right. A couple more points. Another thing that I think is really important that we get by living as the Lord would have us to live, the way it's taught in the Bible is that we get a stable home and family life that is really valuable because I know that it's, it's certainly not an, a news flash tonight to say families in our culture are in big trouble. Uh, the statistics say that two out of every three kids do not live with their with both their parents. Mm. 
Two out of every three. In other words, if you've got a kid who's living with both his mother and father, that kid's in a minority. A pretty significant minority. Yeah. Uh, And that's just one statistic. And you can multiply the statistics that suggest families are in big trouble. And when families are in trouble like that, people are not benefited by having family and home in in a big turmoil like that. There's you know, just think of families who you know here's mom and dad and they've divorced and the kids have to go back and forth between mom and dad you know and they, and they're fighting they squabble over all the necessary details of the shared parenting and all of that. You think that's a good thing? You think they you think that anybody is made better for that? And the answer, of course, is no. But when we live the way the Bible teaches in our families, and our families are rock solid and secure, we're blessed by that. We're we're we're, we're richly blessed and strongly benefited by by having it that way. <clears throat> I just picked out a few clips from Ephesians five and six. Ephesians five twenty two: Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as in the Lord. The counterpart of that is verse twenty five of Ephesians five. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. we got husbands and wives relating to one another the way God wants. And it works. It works. It works. Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. But Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Again, there's the balance. And it works. When we put into practice what God has said, we've got a, a, a good, strong, stable, happy, fulfilled family life. And everybody is better for it. Yes, and some of those uh, uh, instructions that God has given us for our family life and our interpersonal relationships in general are counterintuitive. They're not what we would, how we would choose things in and of ourselves, but through God's word and submitting to it, we have uh, a setup and a dynamic that is for our best interest. Yeah, exactly right. right. So, uh, let me summarize real quickly, Jacob. uh, what we got? I was looking for a comment there in the chat room. See if there's any comments we need we've to catch. We've got several to. we need to catch on. Going but anyway, back. just to summarize what we've talked, we talked about, five things that we think we get, and these are not things that we get later on. These are all things we get right now yeah. uh, for serving the Lord. Standard of morality, a life that brings meaning, knowledge of and about the Creator, association with the best people on the earth, a stable home and family life. Those are all benefits gained right now by living this way. So if someone says, what's in it for you? Well, I'll tell you what's in it for me, and we, we can list those things. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people think Christianity is sort of like taking cough syrup. You know, it's uh, not anything that you're going to like. Uh, in fact, it's going to be quite uh, unpleasant, but you do it because of what you get in the end, and that is simply not the picture we see of Christianity. It's not like that. It is a blessing here and in eternity. So certainly blessings here and now. Along those lines, yes, 2702 says, wonderful peace and like-minded companions. That's talking about the the people that we get to associate with as Christians. And uh, along those lines as well, Nick uh, chimes in with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. So we are associated, we're fellow citizens with those who are the best in the community. And that is not future tense. That's present tense. It happens now. We share that together now. He also references Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. And so we are uh, in a relationship with those people who are preferring us and and interested in serving us as we are interested in serving them. It certainly is a wonderful relationship. Uh, Guest 2702 says too many buffet religions instead of obedience to the word of God. And we see that in the religious world. If we're not careful, we'll fall into that same trap in which I take what I want out of religion and I leave what I don't want like I would at a buffet. Yeah, and that that doesn't get the job done. Doesn't get the job done. And it strips it, and ironically, it strips us of the benefits exactly. that we've talked about tonight when we approach our religion that way. Nick says they usually argue using the most extreme examples of suffering at the hands of abusive parents or parents, thus 
They justify the destruction of the family. Most children, even in abusive situations, often still find security in the family unit. I say this not to justify abuse, but simply to point out the world is so wrong about what makes children feel secure. They often need so little to feel safe. A lot of people justify the breaking up of, of a marriage because, well, it's not good for our kids to be in a family where mom and dad are fighting all the time. And so the solution to that is not, well, mom and dad need to stop fighting and start serving one another. The solution is, well, let's just break it up. It'll be better for the kids. And it certainly isn't. When yeah. <clears throat> and by the way, those who would try to argue that, well, families, there's, a, there's abusive families. There's, husband, there's husbands who beat their wives. There are parents who beat their kids and abuse their kids. And they try to hold that up to say, you know, that this is not ideal. Well, that's not ideal, but that's not the pattern that God has anyway. No. You, can't, you can't say, well, look at that family. That's, that proves that the family's a bad thing. No, because that family's not following the pattern set forth in the Scripture. Okay. All right, good comments in the chat room. So we've gotten the, the, the current present-day blessings of, uh, now of let's, living a Christian life. Now let's talk about pie in the sky and the great by and by, because that, as, as we said earlier, that is ultimately what this is about. Mm-hmm. Because no matter how long we live, you know, if we live to be 120 years old, that's still going to seem like a relatively short period of time. It's passing by quickly. Uh, we're not going to be here for long. Mm-hmm. Uh, under the very best of circumstances, we're not going to be here for very long. What's... What what do I get out of serving the Lord? What do I get out of religion? I get this hope of eternal salvation. Uh, and it's not just for old people. You know, okay, well, you're getting old. Yeah, you'd probably be thinking about that sort of thing. You know, what happens after this life is over? Young people die all the time, too, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so all of us need that hope that whenever our life might be brought to an end, we have this hope of being with God forever and eternity and wonderful bliss Uh, maybe a good passage to sort of highlight that is the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16, beginning verse 22. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame." But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So we read about the rich man and Lazarus. And after they died, one was in a place of torment, and the other was in a place of comfort. And the fact of the matter is that every one of us is going to experience the same thing, Jacob. We're, when we die, we're going to be in one of those two places. And what a comfort it is to live our life with the hope that we could be in that place of comfort when this life is over. That's what we're talking about. Absolutely. And there are going to be bumps and bruises along the way. This life is not going to be perfect. We believe it's better as a Christian than it would be otherwise. But certainly it's not going to be perfect. But we have that perfect existence that we look forward for and we long for uh, when this life is over. That certainly is, as we have began the program with, the number one motivation and benefit of being and, 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 and you think of people who live and die. Uh, you know, when you go to the funeral of someone who wasn't trying to live for God, and you, th- you think, well, what's it all about? What's the meaning of life? Uh, we talked about that earlier. But how do you deal with death if you don't have the hope of eternity? I don't know how you do it. All right. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning of verse 13, talking about those who lived a life of faith, looking forward to that uh, blessing. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were assured of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Those who say such things declare plainly they seek a homeland, and if truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that, that is, a heavenly country, Therefore, God is not ashamed to call them their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We're looking for that uh, that eternal blessing with our Father. And that uh, certainly is the number one blessing of living for him, because that blessing will last for an eternity. The blessings we enjoy here and now, which are numerous, are temporal and short-lived. But we have the blessing of being with Christ and with God forever in heaven for an eternity. certainly is a great blessing. Yep. Kyle, any thoughts as we wrap up our discussion tonight? 
I would just like we've always we've said, uh, if you pattern your life after the way God wants you to and you live the way that uh, Christ has taught us, and your life, it's not a guarantee it's going to be easy, but it's just a, it is a wonderful guide to it's better. It's fellowship. It's not just not, it's not just fellowship. It's something that's a. It is better. It's something that we can live by, and and that hope of heaven is. Uh, it is the the goal, of course, that we're all searching for. So it's just, exactly right. You know, and it's often easy to look at uh, Kyle at those on the other side of the fence and think, well, you know, sir, it looks like their life's pretty good, but they're those who don't have God in their life. Their life isn't isn't uh, all roses either. And certainly we need to realize that we have it better than those without God in their life. The gal that we read about at the start whose religion was the CrossFit gym, that's not going to last. When she's 80 years old, she's probably not going to be able to do two hours of workout at the CrossFit gym. And so her religion has a built-in... End of life. (laughs) Built-in end. Yeah. But living for the Lord has everything here and in eternity. All right. Good discussion tonight, Dad. Thank you for Thanks, Jacob. the time. Thank you for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. And uh, we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And if you've got any questions, we hope that you'll send us a, que- a comment or a question to questions at collegeview.com. In the meantime, between now and next week, we remind you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.